You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Fucking Baskin. All right, we're recording. <laughs> oh, it's recording? Yeah, I just started. Oh, I'm back with part two. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh. Welcome to me trying to record with Evan every time. <laughs> hey, all you cool cats and kittens. I hope you listened to part one of this Tiger King extraordinary episode of Your Queer Story. Um, today, we're back with part two. And before we start talking, I just want to remind you that I am Samantha Taylor, Evan's beautiful wife. Um, and I'm here with Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. We would like you to subscribe to this podcast on any platform you see fit. Download if you are able and um follow us on all social media we're at your queer story i think that might have been the best intro ever just had. cut and paste that into every episode yep <laughs> so yeah we're not even gonna talk too much we're not we're not gonna do a what'd you do this week because we've got so much to cover you know what we did this week we sat and we've inside done nothing we yeah. sat inside it's <laughs> true and argued and probably <laughs> at yep, this point a lot of arguing a lot of cooking a lot of sleeping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all, yeah. All that yeah. good stuff. Don't have Tiger King to entertain us anymore. So we're just I know. Now I, well, I have watched it twice. So. Yeah. And so you now, watched it twice, really, because you went well, back and watched I, it yeah, the second time. I, well, I like, did a speed uh, watch. You watched it. So now, basically, since like Tiger King's over and there's nothing else left, it's everybody's about to go. To, it's going to be like the riots. Like This is going to be the part where society starts to fall apart. The, oh. the riots are going to happen regardless because of the fact that the government thinks that fucking $1,200 a month is enough to sustain people. Not even a month. Just like, okay, you know this will probably last for six months, but here's $1,200. Right? Have you seen the things where people are like, I can't survive on $1,200 a month, blah, blah, blah. And then people are sharing, well, you know, with minimum wage, if you multiply it by 40 hours a week mm. times this, guess what? It's 1160 a month, and you guys are all against fucking raising the minimum wage. So how do you think everybody else fucking feels, you assholes? Exactly. There's your livable wage. Yep. <sighs> to get us back on track, Paul, <laughs> I would like you to te- please tell us more about Carol Baskin. Carol fucking Baskin is a bitch who murdered her husband. <laughs> Wow, are we uh, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Oh, yeah, she has a lot of money. She allegedly <laughs> murdered her husband. Yeah, yeah. She, she sued a poor, broke man into the ground, so we're not going to fuck with her much. I know. We don't know too much. We don't know anything to be true. Right. Exactly. Everything we're- mentioned in this podcast is speculation. All parties involved are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law, and we are not accusing anyone of anything other than what the documentary presented. And the other evidence that has information that's available yes. out there. Uh, but 
But yeah. This is why we need to form a legal business. <laughs> <laughs> so, who you want to start, Paul? Sure. Carol Baskin was born on an Air Force base in Bexar Co- County, Texas, on June 6, 1961. Like Joe, she didn't have an ideal childhood and ran away from home at age 15, hitchhiking from Florida to Maine. She slept underneath cars until she could afford her own truck and then slept in the back of that with her pet cat. At age 17, Carol got a job at a department store and fell in love with her boss, Michael Murdoch, who seemed to have been several years older than Carol. The two were married soon after they moved in together because Carol feared the consequences of living in sin and um, probably wanted money. Well, yeah, I think that the whole thing with Carol is that she she spent her life looking for a... um, she spent her life looking for a savior, but she also couldn't settle down. Like she wanted an exciting life, and anytime that something was exciting, she'd get bored. But also, she she needed someone to supplement her because she didn't want to do the rigors of just like you know establishing a career. Right. So she, she wanted need, to be taken care of. Exactly. She wanted to be taken care of, and she wanted to be able to do whatever she wanted. And so, at seventeen, she thinks she's found that with this department store manager, which d- doesn't sound good, but okay. Mm-hmm. But Mike beat her regularly and obsessively tracked her moves, going so far as to track the odometer on her car. The one solace Carol had was her animals, and soon she began to rehabilitate injured bobcats. Which, could you imagine, like, okay, you were only supposed to go to the grocery store today. Why do you have seven miles on your car instead of five? Where else did you go? That's exactly what people do in domestic violent relationships, though. They will track your um, your odometers. Your, your mileage to see where you're at. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a DV situation, call the National Domestic Violence Helpline and we can give you some tips on how to avoid that. I'm not going to say it here in case there's any asshats listening. Um, so one night, Carol fled her house in fear of another beating from Mike. And as she walked down the street crying, a man in a car pulled up and asked her if she'd like a ride. This whole story is the craziest fucking thing. Do you know, like, do you remember the whole story about mm-hmm. Carol meeting Don? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How she just he um she gets in the car. This is yeah. She gets in the car, and uh, wait, no. He he tells her because she pulls up and he's like in the he's like you want to get in the car. She's like no, as a sane person. Oh yeah, and then he puts the revolver on the seat and he's like you can shoot me if I do anything bad to you. Yeah. And then he drives, she drives with the revolver in her hand. He takes her a little farther. He pulls over to the side of the road and he chokes her. And he's like, I could choke the life out of you. But she looks at him and she wasn't scared. At least that's what she told the reporter later. So then he takes her to a hotel, but they don't have sex. They just lay on the bed and they talk and they fall asleep. And that was her first night with this man. I believe, I believe, I believe the choking part of that story. Yeah, and I that's do. about it. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody's choking you in a car when they met you 20 minutes ago, they're not just taking you to a hotel and... I mean, the thing about, like, how she grew up, maybe she was into that. I'm not going to say that she was into that, but, like, if she grew up in a... Like, maybe that made her feel excited. Maybe she flooded, flooded her basement a little bit. Well, I think that in general, like I said, she really craved excitement. And mm-hmm. so right. that, as scary as it was, it was exciting. And, again, she's being beat by her husband regularly. So if it was true that a guy just semi-choked her and then laid next to her in a hotel. That seems very romantic. So, <laughs> I don't know, but whatever it was, he asked to see her again and she said, okay. He told her that his name was Bob. So this was from the um, Rob Moore. He was the journalist. His uh, um, article that I really suggest you read, Tiger King, Joe Exotic, The Modern Barnum, and His Equally Extraordinary Nemesis. 
The man told her his name was Bob Martin. Since they were both married, they had to have their clandestine meetings in a trailer at his work site. When Bob pulled into the lot, he would make her, Carol, lie on the floor of his truck so no one would see her. She thought, she thought they were hiding from his boss, a rich businessman named Don Lewis. Whenever she called him at work, she would ask his secretary if she could speak with Bob Martin. One day, a different secretary answered the phone. When Carol asked for Bob Martin, the secretary said she'd never heard of him before. Carol described him, a middle-aged, blonde-haired, blue eyes, and the secretary laughed. Oh, you're describing Don Lewis, secretary said. Carol realized she was having an affair with a millionaire. And then she was like, bitch, bitch better have my money. (laughs) For the next five years, which is a long fucking time, Carol continued to have an affair with Don Lewis before the two finally left their spouses. For a while, the couple raised, breeded, and traded exotic animals. I don't know if this is in here, but um, the video that the guy gives the documentarians where Carol's like, most people think it's cruel to take away a baby tiger (gasps) from its mother, but to socialize them with people, it has to be done. Yeah, again, that lifeless, there's no soul there. I know, it's so creepy. Never has been. Then in 1992, they changed their tactics and opened Big Cat Rescue in Tampa, Florida. It was Carol's dream, and yet life was not a dream at all. Don was stingy with his money. He never even bought Carol a diamond ring. A real diamond ring. He gave her a cubic zirconium. Okay, sorry. He would go dumpster diving for day-old bread and held his money over Carol's head. He also cheated on Carol as he had his previous wife, and she was expected to accept these terms. The two began to disagree on how the animals should be treated as Carol began to realize their tactics were harmful and even cruel. Don saw the animals as a way to make money, so the couple fought constantly. Finally, Don began to tell Carol he wanted a divorce. In July of 1997, Don filed a restraining order on Carol, claiming she threatened to kill him. And a month later, he mysteriously disappeared and was never heard from again. When confronted about the restraining order years later, Carol shrugged the incident off and published a statement on Big Cat Rescue website. Don spent one week per month in Costa Rica. Don was a man who wanted to have sex daily. He would go to Costa Rica during that week I was having my menstrual cycle. I accepted this as something I had to live with. During the week he was away, I would haul off the property, as much of the junk as I could. Wendell told Don I was doing this. Don tried calling the police to get them to stop me. They told him he would need a restraining order. It is unclear if it was Don's idea that to get a restraining order, he should say I threatened him or if someone like Wendell suggested that. Don filed for order on June 20th, 1997, and it was denied. I don't know. I'm sorry. I just have to say this one last piece, but I don't know if it's um, also written in here about how my favorite part. Oh, my gosh. I love this part so much. I'm sorry. I'm just so excited to talk about it. After five years, he was declared legally dead as a missing person. And uh, the reporter says to Carol, did you have a memorial? And she's like, I remember I got the death certificate in the mail. And um, I looked at it, and then the next thing I remember, it was it was pitch blackout. It's it's like I had just blacked out, and um, that was the closest thing I had to memorial. Yeah. Like what the fuck? That just say <laughs> just say. Oh yeah, I made his favorite dinner that night in remembrance of it. Like make some shit up, Carol. That make something up. That is not a good thing to say to a reporter. That yeah. sounds like pure bullshit. Just mm-hmm. fucking. You could have said anything that sounded better than that. Yep. Like. My memorial was just, I don't know, it was nighttime. <laughs> I was like, I just stood there, and, and that was it. <laughs> um, I think that 
I think Carol Baskin hated Don, but I don't think it was. I, I think it was a deep hatred, but because um, like Joe um, Exotic later gets a hold of Carol's diary, mm-hmm. and, and and how does he get a hold of Carol's diary? I think that um, probably uh, one of either Carol's staff members or somehow Don's children got a hold of the diary from some of her assets. Yeah, but whatever. But she writes a lot about how awful Don is. Oh, and he's he's an awful person. He is an yeah. awful person, and and to. Expect a woman to have sex with you every single night, and then you cheat on her repeatedly. Like, I mean, there is a definitely sexual abuse there. Oh yeah, definitely. I definitely believe 100 percent that she was abused. Like, oh, there's yeah. no way that. I mean, she lived her whole life like that. Yeah, she lived her life being from one abuser to the next. Also, Don's white ex-wife and daughter look like they're the same age. So <laughs> That's yeah. true. I just had to add that. In. Right? You look at those two, and you're like, "Wait, who's the <laughs> mother in this?" I know. Half the time, I was like, "Which one of them is the mo- it's the daughter?" Mm-hmm. I, I'm not. Ma- it's not making sense. I don't know. The timeline doesn't add up. Yep. Anyway. But I think that um, I think that Carol, like, she's in this, but she's as as awful as it is. She's also in the best situation of her life. She's doing the career she always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. She has millions of dollars. And if she leaves Don like she left Michael, she's going to have nothing. And she doesn't want to give that up. Right. And that's where you see the real motivation. Like, yeah, he was an awful person. This wasn't like some poor animal lover that just disappeared. He was a piece of shit. Again, every main person is a fucking piece of shit in this documentary. Yep. <laughs> so go ahead. So there- uh, Anybody that keeps tigers that need, you know, hundreds of thousands of yards of freedom in captivity, clearly their moral compass is off. So yeah. that's, you're, you're starting there. So of course, everything else is also going to align with like having no moral compass because you're keeping mm-hmm. tigers in, you know, five foot cages. So, uh, you know. Yep. Sorry. So there are several reasons that Carol's statement doesn't sit well with most people. Aside from the fact that Don wanted a divorce and then suddenly disappeared, he also told friends and his secretary that he feared for his life. And then, immediately after police were notified of Don's disappearance, a never-before-seen last will and testament showed up. (laughs) Which not only made Carol power of attorney, rather than Don's secretary, as the previous will had stated, but an interesting line had been added at the top. It began with, In the event of my death or disappearance which was an odd line to have in a will and is rarely, if ever, seen by lawyers and judges. And even um, his lawyer said, like, uh, I've been doing this for, what, like 40 years or yeah. I don't remember how many years, but he's like, that's the only time I've ever seen that. Right? Like, how is that not so obvious? That's the thing. And then my favorite is, like, however many episodes later, she's like, <laughs> well, <laughs> clearly, like, <laughs> if you wanted to get a tiger to eat somebody, <laughs> you know, you have to, like, I don't know, cover him in sardine oil or something like that (laughs) oh my god it's just so like uh whatever if even if she didn't kill him she definitely tampered with some stuff oh yeah she was like i mean but the thing is even if she didn't kill him which i don't know if she did or not even if he disappeared she made sure she was fucking set like oh yeah that's what i mean she noticed he was gone and she was like fucking get this taken care of of this yeah in case, but it, but who would? But in case, in the event of my death or disappearance, but I would never put. That Let in me the tell will. you, <laughs> if I ever go missing someone. and that's on my will, something fucking happened. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. I'm putting that out I'm, here right now. I'm telling you right now, David did some shit. Yeah. 
<laughs> Got it. So da- sadly, Don, well, I don't know if it's sadly or not, but whatever, Don was never found in five years. And one day after his disappearance, Carol had him legally declared dead. During that time, she continued to run and expand Bidcat's rescue. Don's children estimate they only received 10% of Don's multi-million dollar estate. Carol also began dating other an, another man, uh, Jay Bacall. So she's dating this man like while Don's missing, but he hasn't been declared dead. Jay filed a restraining order on Carol in October of 2002. And he wrote in the report on the phone and at home told me she will kick my ass out of here, whatever it takes. I honestly fear I'm in danger of death or seriously or serious bodily harm. One day she said to me when I asked her, what happens if your husband shows up now? Her response, dead body cannot talk. And yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. So we have a picture on there of the, uh, of the restraining order too, that which was also from the source Robert Moore. <laughs> I would just, uh, for everybody that can't see, because this is a podcast, uh, as Evan gets more and more intense while he talks, he pulls the microphone closer and closer to himself. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a fun image. Okay. <laughs> a month after Jay left or fled for his life, Carol met Howard Baskin <laughs> mm, at a fundraiser event. Uh, I can't, like literally cringing right now as I'm reading. <laughs> the two began dating and married two years later in a small and quite odd ceremony. <laughs> they have been happy ever since, and Howard is definitely Carol's biggest supporter. Yet still, the rumors and questions surrounding the disappearance of Don Lewis have swirled around Carol for the last 23 years, becoming one of the most exciting stories of the exotic animal world. Here are a couple of other interesting moments in the episode. Wait, I didn't even get to t- comment on Carol's wedding picture. Of the- I was gonna just go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. You say it. Where Don is in a Flintstones esque. Um, t- leopard <laughs> costume, and Carol has him on a leash in her wedding dress mm-hmm. with her um, uh, flower crown, and is walking him down the beach. It, what? Yeah, my favorite. That's one of my favorite means. Like, if the love isn't like this, I don't want it. <laughs> that moment, like, jarred me really. It's, that was the first moment that really shook me hard. <laughs> Because when I saw Howard crouch down like that, this man in his fucking 60s wearing that suit crouched down. And I'm like, but what were you, what message were you trying to send with that? Right. Because what is it? Like, she's got him on a leash or are they into BDSM? Like, what is the message? And then, and I wouldn't be surprised because you have to, like, that's the exotic animal world. Even Mm -hmm. fucking Carol Baskin's got to have some kind of kink because you do, you just Mm -hmm. do. Um, so we're just going to highlight a couple other interesting moments. Um, we watched Joe's famous Here Kitty Kitty music video. Uh, brilliant. I mean, uh, crazy and stupid and brilliant all at the same time. Um, Carol laughs about how she couldn't even fit a hand in a meat grinder. Yep. Um, Don's lawyer decides to wear a polka dot tie from either the early 90s or a clown troupe. Um, and we get to really see the bizarre living rooms and decorations in people's houses during their interviews. Yeah. And that's the, the lead homicide detective that they interview. <laughs> he has like the fucking, um, oh, what are those kind of masks? What are those called? Oh, like theater creepy, masks. Yeah, the creepy <laughs> masks. Yeah. Creepy yeah. masks. The <laughs> monkey statue. Like there's just so much. And like, the, like maybe tattooed eyeliner or something. His eyes are very, very profound in, in, in. A oh, way. I don't think he's a. Uh, baby, I don't know. I mean, even the the fabric of the cushion of the chair. It's like, what is going on in this house? There's just so much like, 
such a creepy house. You can't see the corner where the cat is like, is the coffee table. Maybe it's not his house, but if it is, why? How are these people so obsessed with cats? And who is decorating that house? And what is going on? I can't, I don't know. Um, uh-huh. Also, I want to know how Joe found that uh, such a good Carol Baskin lookalike for his video. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was dedicated, so I'm sure he just fucking searched oh, and God. searched and searched. Money's no, I don't care how much it costs. I don't care. Which I don't know where he was getting all this money from anyways. Nobody but. knows. I have, that's one question. Like, how did Joe Exotic stay I mean, afloat? he was selling the the tigers so that was probably good money but still like the cost to feed the tigers alone was astronomical so i mean maybe he was involved in the meth business i don't know i don't know it's just so it's so much money to run all of that and even though like his employees were paid shit like the stuff that he did Mm -hmm. still running for president and all kinds of crazy shit yeah i I would also like to say that i like that in the documentary they don't really mention the meth until about episode five (laughs) and i like that because the whole time you're watching it for me i don't i don't know what the percentage of this is like maybe some people were watching and already thought these people are all on meth oh i did i I knew from episode one (laughs) yeah because you're from gary indiana um and i thought from the beginning like these people are doing you know drugs i mean i didn't think they were all just like living sober lives but also when they start to get into the math all of a sudden i started to be like oh which okay i see it i know we're not there yet but my one of my favorite scenes was when they're they flash to the police detective and they're like yeah, for some reason, meth concentrates in the mouth, in the teeth, <laughs> and we call that meth mouth. And then they go to Joe's John. husband, and he's like, <laughs> "With his three teeth." Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, so, and where did he get the money for all the meth? I don't. That's that, so much meth to keep two men hooked to you, and who else? Who knows who else is getting yeah. meth? I mean, uh, Travis's mother was clearly coming down from something during the funeral, which I feel very bad for her. Mm-hmm. I'd say like people use but drugs to cope. Clearly, yeah. But she was clearly on something. So like, how many? How much drugs were you giving to people? And was that really the reason why so many people stuck around? I don't know. You know, because a hundred bucks a week, even if you're a convicted, if you, even if you're a convict, I mean, you could find something for more than a hundred bucks a week. Mm-hmm. So we're moving on to episode four, which is titled Playing With Fire. (laughs) And in episode four of The Tiger King, we get into the real reason there is such a hatred between Joe Exotic and Carol fucking Baskins. For years, the two had antagonized each other through their individual social media sites and Joe's cable show. Also, um, (laughs) Joe's show that he is sober and he's like, yeah, I I cast this on to the World Wide Web. And um, really like 80 people are watching. Because only 80 people watch cable. There's not that many people that watch cable. No, it was on the Internet. Oh, is that okay? World Wide Web. But only, like, nobody was actually streaming it. But my favorite thing is the delusion of, like... Exactly. He thought that that his show being on the World Wide Web thought, like, meant... But, like, I could cast a show onto the World Wide Web and three people could watch it and I could be like, I have a show on the internet. Right, exactly. I think it perfectly shows the difference between him and Carol, too, because she knows how to handle and talk about her social media. Yeah, and she and grew he, millions and millions of followers. I don't know, millions, but at least a Two ton, million followers. Yeah. Two oh, million, yeah. yeah. And, and Joe calls his web show a cable show. So that shows the very big difference right. between them. So Joe began to superimpose Carol's photo onto offensive pictures and spread an image of big cat workers holding dead bunnies. Um which I don't know why they would take and post a picture of them holding dead bloody bunnies. Like that's probably not Awful the best. Like I know these cats, obviously that was probably their feed, but like that's probably not the best picture to share. Yeah. yeah, I don't know 
why they ever took the the, the picture. Yeah. Kind of odd. Yeah. Uh, why you? Yeah. It, it's a just a dumb picture to take. It is. Like, how is that supposed to look? Right. So Carol and her husband sued Joe for one million dollars for copyright infringement <laughs> and defamation of character and won. And now we begin to see Joe really unwind. Um. Uh, I mean, it's so hard because he was so aggressive. Because he feel was bad, really but he aggressive. He was so bad. Like, can you imagine a person just every day trash talking and telling people on the internet how you should die and how they're and, gonna kill you? Yeah, and, seeing a a mannequin that's supposed to be you getting shot. Like, yeah, how are you supposed to feel about that? Exactly. When you really step back, like, yes, we, like they really spin Joe to be the sympathetic, but he's threatening this woman. And even if you're like, well, he's life. too crazy to do anything. So fucking what? That's scary. He's like, I'm going to put her head in this jar when I'm done. Like, mm-hmm. if somebody was saying that about me, I'd be like, uh. <laughs> exactly. Can you? Can somebody do something about right. this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, people hated her, but like, also, you can't do that. So, this you know. is, yeah, so this is where it starts to get really crazy. And um, we have the alligator arson, as I'd like to call it. Um, <laughs> and uh, one night, the TV studio. That, uh, and I have air quotes around TV studio that doubled as an alligator pit. So again, <laughs> I mean, I, I, it goes I, back I, to that thing of <laughs> I have a shed with the bathroom in it. Just to exactly, eat it. it goes back to the shed with the bathroom. <laughs> yep, from episode one. Yep, um, mysteriously went up in flames, destroying all footage and all alligators inside. Alligators were John Finley's favorite, and most were the babies of an alligator Joe had got from Michael Jackson's Neverland Ranch after he died. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. It's true. It's true. Um, John, well, hang on, pause right there. So that that's just a point of like, um, so like Joe and people like Doc Antle, but especially Joe, is he would get animals from from these celebrities that bought these animals when they were young and cute and couldn't take care of them anymore. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you can say that these sanctuaries or zoos are the problem, but they're really picking up from all these ass these rich assholes that think it's fun, like Shaquille O'Neal, who thinks it's fun to buy a tiger, and then you can't take care of a full-grown right. fucking tiger. And so then you give it back to people like Joe Exotic mm-hmm. and Doc Antle. What else mm-hmm. are you going to do with it? Kill it? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Exactly. At least it you gets know, to live, and yeah. So, and like, it's like we stop, st- stop this trend of thinking that it's okay to buy exotic animals. Mm-hmm. Oh, smoking sixteen packs per <laughs> interview is Rick Kirkham, <laughs> Joe's cable show producer, believes Joe set fire to the studio so Kirkham couldn't use the footage he owned, um, and he was going to use the footage to make a reality TV show. Robert Moore interviewed the case officer who oversaw the investigation of the mysterious zoo fire. The officer turned out to be Joe's limo driver and later went to prison for sexually assaulting a disabled person. What the fuck? So, because, like, you know, you're going in to investigate the arson and, like, nothing ever comes back. Like, they know that it was an arson, but nothing ever comes back into Mm -hmm. why... Um, like who the person was, mm-hmm. and it just seems a very weird well. You even get to see the interview with Joe's lawyer, where Joe's like, "So there's no backups of the footage." Yeah. Okay, so you know what to do, and Joe's mm-hmm. just like, "Yep." Yeah, exactly. Like, they, like Morris says, like in the in the documentary, in the documentary, they imply that it could have been Joe or other people. But Robert Moore talks about how like it was Joe, mm-hmm. and everybody knew it was. You just didn't have the hard evidence. Right. But like. The whole coincidence of like the person who's leading the investigation is your fucking limo driver, which what are you paying your police officers? Right. That they have to double as a limo driver for Joe Exotic. Well, and- I mean, Joe, I don't, this isn't in the same place, but Joe was the police chief at 19. So I'm exactly. assuming that these people aren't getting paid that much. <laughs> I'm guessing. 
Um, Kirkham claims, oh, this is all really good. So listen carefully. Kirkham claims that there is footage of Joe killing animals for fun or just because he lost his temper. Once, a woman dropped off her elderly horse and asked Joe to let the animal run in the fields. As soon as she left, Joe shot the horse in the trailer and made Kirkham film it. Then he laughed and used the meat to feed the lions and tigers. No fucking shit. Rick Kirkham fled with a few items and his dog. Six months later, his home in Dallas mysteriously burned down and his dog died. Kirkham was in therapy for six months after leaving the zoo and spent a week at intake because he was so shaken by the experience. He now lives in Norway. He fucking he was like, left. He's like, let me find the calmest country I can live in where Joe Exotic cannot get me. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And um, actually, the um, I read an interview with the directors of the docuseries who also said they had several um, shots of Joe and other people just shooting animals in the head. But they didn't show him because they were afraid. They wanted the audience to see what was happening and they were afraid if they made it too bloody people wouldn't watch yeah because that's what's happened with a lot of documentaries where they like they want you you want to expose the truth but the truth is people don't want to see that right um and so so yes we know that joe killed many animals just because he was mad because he didn't like them because they were an expense so this idea that he was just this guy that loved cats and such so much that wasn't it mm-hmm. you know um carol also sues joe's mom and he creates a GoFundMe to save her her house which Carol, fuck you. Yeah, fuck off, Don't come Carol. after somebody's elderly parents. Like, they need their, like, fuck, leave the parents that alone. That woman was so clearly oh, sick, and she's sitting there shaking as she's trying to hold her hand, husband's hand. And Joe, like, got her involved in shit, which, like, that's not the parents' fault. Yeah. Like, leave the parents alone. That's a bullshit. I- it's hard because you see both sides because, of course, like we said, I mean, Joe's shooting mannequins that are Carol Baskin, um, mm-hmm. you know, props. And so, of course, she's angry. But then at the same point, she wants this million dollars from him and 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 he's not he can't produce a million dollars. And also he's spent twenty years of his life making money on exotic animals, which is what you want him to stop doing. But how can he stop doing it if you want a million dollars from him? He's kind of like he is stuck in this situation and she doesn't need that million dollars. No, and even if she, she gets it, the zoo isn't going to be shut down. And also he has 227 tigers there. So where the fuck are they all going to go, Carol? Like, mm-hmm. it's just like she got stuck on this idea that if she got money from him, he'd have to shut down the zoo. But like, maybe he needed some help. Like, maybe if she had provided a way to, I mean, I don't know. He also was like out of his mind and clearly didn't want to give the animal rights people any of his tigers. But also like, I don't know. It just seems like she wanted the zoo to be shut down. But like, how do you shut down a zoo with 227 tigers? I think she was also just as vindictive and petty as Joe. She Mm -hmm. was vindictive. And I get that she was mad because she she was was just smarter about it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. She didn't go on live and be like, Oh, Mm -hmm. this is what I'm going to fucking do to Joe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was more evil because she knew that she could successfully sue him Mm -hmm. and she could, win and then she could take him for everything that he had um but his parents i think i think that's one reason why the audience turned so hard against carol like the stuff about her husband like that's a lot of speculation you can wonder but seeing someone sue another person's elderly elderly shaking yeah parents who needed this money to live the rest of their lives like this was their retirement probably like yeah they spent their retirement fighting this lawsuit like fuck you carol that's bullshit yeah Yeah, that was needlessly cruel and that's what shows you the kind of person that carol really is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's why we say that all allegations on here are just our own opinions and um, <laughs> not proven in a court of law and have no um, bearing on any um, criminal investigation. <laughs> so next up, we meet Jeff Lowe, well, yeah, which so is the swinging, self-declared millionaire. Little pussy gets you a lot of pussy. Jeff Lowe. Mm. <laughs> that was his his famous line. So uh, yeah, he comes in to save the zoo. Jeff Lowe Jeff. sleeps with an Oakley hat and a bandana on his head. But you know what? He's gonna make a thousand fucking face masks with all those bandanas now. That's yeah. true. I mean, we don't have. I'm I'm trying to make face masks at home, and I'm like resorting to pillow sheets. But he's got all the bandanas he needs. <laughs> that's true. Like, but also, he's stupid enough that he's gonna keep wearing them on his head and not ever put yeah, them that, on as a mask. That's he's true. I mean, yeah, no. But anyway, sorry. No, that was it. We're on to episode five now. All right, moving along. Make America Exotic Again. Mm. Clever title. Yeah. Very clever. And also where Joe really, truly spins out of Yeah, this mm-hmm. is where it starts to I like, mean, So Jeff Lowe is the quintessential con man and looks like he's been running a con since the day he was born. And he really does. I don't know how anybody <laughs> looked at this man and was like, you have a lot of money. I'm going to trust you. There's Only I, Joe would look at him. I literally that. looked at this man and I was like... <laughs> he looks like the weird guy up the street that lived in Gary, Indiana. There is not yeah. one thing about him that I would look at and be like, you are a millionaire. I trust everything that's coming <laughs> out of your mouth. It's like every biker in Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> so in the mid-2000s, he claimed to work for the musical legend Prince and sold illegal t-shirts with Prince's logo. He was sued by the star, and the singer's lawyer told the newspapers, I'm not going to call him a liar, but based on any information I have, he never worked for Prince, unless you call getting sued working for him. But the lawsuit didn't slow him down one bit. In 2008, he swindled the citizens opposed. Oh. In 2008, he swindled, he swindled the citizens opposed to domestic abuse out of one million dollars worth of merchandise, which Lowe later result, resold for a profit. And that's all just a peek at the laundry list of cons the man has run over the decades. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like we could not, I could not get into his. He's been in and out of prison, and I'm not even judging a person that's been in and out of prison. But you I mean he's a con man. Right. This isn't a person who has been rail like he was railroaded by the cops. Like he he did all of the cons that he did, and everything in his life was a lie. Like him taking a picture of him next to the plane. Like anybody can run up to a fucking plane and take a picture. Right. But Joe Exotic was so caught up with that. Mm-hmm. He was. He's like he's like I went into the mansion and they, they had a pool in there and he just had stacks of money everywhere like that is clearly a guy who's trying to portray an image that isn't right. real. But Joe also is like has yeah. no sense of what actual reality is either. Right. Of course, so uh, of course he's buying into this this person that's doing the same thing only bigger and better. Yeah. You know? So Joe was definitely the right man. So, uh, sorry, Jeff Lowe was definitely the right man for Joe to transfer ownership of a zoo to. (laughs) Here are some of the other moments from episode five. Uh, This is the episode that we find out that Joe is going to run for president in 2016. So he was the first openly gay man to run for president. (laughs) Not you, Pete Buttigieg. I know, right? Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) He hired, okay, so Joe runs for president and he hires the only other gay man in Oklahoma, Josh Dial, who was his um, campaign manager and also a manager at Walmart selling Joe ammo, which I just love that. I love all of that. I love jo- Josh um, being like, so he asked me to be his campaign manager and I was like, that's my dream job. Like, really, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe a campaign manager is a dream job, but think about it. Right. You know? of all, and then he, I love that, how he talks about like how traumatized he was from being Joe's campaign manager. Oh, and I'm like, you literally shit. sold this man ammo and explosives like every day at Walmart. I know. Where did you think mm-hmm. this where, was going to go? But also, as a gay man in Oklahoma, he was like, well, this guy's gay. That's true. I'm sure he's there was some. He's giving me a job and he's gay, so I guess I'll take it. I yeah. mean, 
I don't know. Maybe yeah. he was like, I can put it on a resume. Nobody's yeah, going to know. I don't know. I don't know. We meet Alan Glover, the eventual hitman, who is shady as fuck from the oh sec. He's the shadiest of them all from the second he you is. meet him. Like, but I, I don't know. I yeah. No, that, he is so creepy so right creepy. away. Yeah, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that like if I'm walking down the sidewalk and that guy's walking, I'm like. Yeah, let me cross the street and walk on the other side. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, Joe gets attacked by a tiger trying to eat his shoes. Oh, this was hard. I couldn't watch this part. Oh, that that, was hard for me to watch. Because that was, I mean, and everybody just watched. Exactly. Low claimed that he was on Joe Exotic's life insurance policy, and that's why Joe blamed him for the cat trying to eat his shoes. Jeff's wife Lauren says that Joe used to give the cats shoes for toys, and that's why the cats were chasing him. Which, I mean, but everybody wore shoes around the cat, so that right. doesn't make, that's yeah. not. <laughs> Lauren, nobody's, I'm sorry, but you're, look at, no. Nobody's taking you, no. Lauren, you need to get the fuck out Lauren, of Lauren, just don't, please, yeah. Get no. your kid and get mm-hmm. out of there. Carol tells us how to get a tiger to eat a person. Psst, use sardine oil. <laughs> that, just, another I time, love that she was very exact. Uh, she knew exactly yeah. what she was going mm-hmm. for. And that, also the laugh. The, the laugh that she does with sardine it. oil is such an obscure. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's like a common thing in the tiger <laughs> yeah, world. You know, uh, maybe. maybe. The, I but don't know. <laughs> that's a really specific obscure item. She just whipped that out, and then <laughs> Carol, you don't get it. People really think you're guilty. Like someone who is her PR person, right? like the same person as Joe Exotics, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Jeff says Joe told him he was dying with two years left and wanted Jeff to take over the zoo. I, I, uh, okay, Joe. That is not in the documentary. I just learned okay, that no, right now. Okay, but this is this next um, part I got from Joe, Robert Moore. From Robert Moore. Okay, mm-hmm. so Joe once raised money for himself, telling folks he was dying from prostate cancer. Turns out he had a bad outbreak of herpes. No word if he refunded the money. Yeah, and I have a picture of that, but I didn't haven't even added it because it's so gross. Because oh, I don't want to see hospital, I don't want to see that. And Ew. he's covered. That's from Robert <laughs> Anyways, he's covered, but it's true. So Joe went around for two years telling people he was dying of prostate cancer. And really, he was just having these outbreaks. But that, I not, I'm not saying like Jeff Lowe is a con man. We know that. But I also think that he saw an opportunity because he thought Joe was dying mm-hmm. and he could take over his zoo easy. And then he realized this motherfucker conned me. He's yeah. not really dying. He's just using this to <laughs> get more money. They were both conning each other constantly yeah. <laughs> and like just doing shit jobs. Exactly. Um, so Joe and Jeff wanted to build a bisexual strip club called Tigers and Dreams. <laughs> Jeff borrowed construction equipment from a man named Joe Barth, which he then turned around and sold. Barth sued Jeff for... And the next day, Barth's home burned down. Yeah, Barth sued him to get his equipment. I mean, imagine that. You're like, here, let me, you can borrow my construction equipment. And then he just fucking sells sells it. it. And then when you sue him, then like the amount of homes that have burned down in this, this series, like Mm -hmm. so much fire. Jeff Johnson interviewed in Tiger King. Who's that that gets interviewed? Um... I can't try, hang on, I want to try to expose. I don't remember. He just was. He was like a small bit part. Oh, he was very small. He's just one of those random. People I want a picture. Of a You'd have to look it up then. Well, no, you you're the researcher. Look it up later. And get okay, it. I'll get it to you when okay. you see it. But he's he's probably in there five times in the whole documentary. Yeah. He probably has like ten minutes worth right. of stuff. Well, it's important because he tried to expose Jeff and Joe as frauds in the online in an online campaign. Joe and Jeff threatened Johnson, and when he didn't back down, his house mysteriously <laughs> burned to the Everybody's ground. Houses are just burning. So there's down. a lot of arson. So um, the and fact then, that everybody's well, house is burning down, and some people are like Joe Exotic would never burn down his own. But again, place. remember the guy that's investigating all these cases is Joe's limo driver, mm-hmm. who's just like driving Joe around, investigating the cases. 
And then he's like driving being, Joe to the house to burn the <laughs> house like, down. He's and like, well, Joe, did you do this? Joe's like, I sure as hell didn't. Maybe it was that bitch fucking Carol Baskin. And he's like, sounds good to me, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so these are other things we find out in episode five. We find out that Joe has a Prince Albert piercing on his penis and that he uses padlocks because he can't get things big enough to clip through it. So that's. Woo! Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. Okay. Also, did you know in, in Provincetown there's a hotel called the Prince Albert Hotel? I didn't know that. There you go. There you Fun go. fact, right. guys. John left Joe for a girl at the zoo. Travis committed suicide in front which, of Josh Dial. That which was is... ruled an accidental suicide. Oh, really? Oh, it was. Yes, it was ruled an accidental suicide because right before he was telling the guy it doesn't fire unless the thing's yeah. in it. So he was just showing the guy that it's not going to fire. Yeah. And then he goes, he was just showing him, like, watch, it won't fire. Boom. I mean, yeah. You and can tell, dies. though, there's a lot of instability in his, well, it's like, just, I mean, his mental health. It's hard is, because is, he's very depressed. And yeah. even if it was accident, like, he's so, like, like hyped up on, like, he's so filled with drugs. Like, he doesn't even know what mm-hmm. he's doing. Like, he's but just. I felt so bad for that campaign manager. Oh, like, Josh? You could see his face. He was like. I mean, like, it's crazy because it looks like it's a still frame, but you can see the time going right. on the top of the camera. Like, that whole time, move. he's just like... For, like, two minutes, he just straight up was just like... And nope. he won't even go over by the body because he's just, like, so scared, man. Oh, oh God. Oh. This okay. guy just wanted... He just wanted to get out of Walmart, okay? Mm-hmm. I understand. I probably would have taken <laughs> this... Like, I'll, I'll be your campaign manager, sure. <laughs> it's okay. Well, it's not okay. But also, for Joe, it's okay because um, one month after Travis died, he met a 19-year-old named Dylan Passage. And also, as soon as Dylan showed up on the screen and talked the first time, Evan and I look at each other and go, well, he's gay. <laughs> yeah. You can't lie about that one. <laughs> yeah. Joe drops out of the 2000... Joe drops out of the 2016 presidential race and runs for governor, earning 19% of the vote. 19%? Well, Trump is president, so anybody can yeah, win fucking clearly. anything, clearly. 19% is a huge chunk Fuck, when you consider I mean, it. Yeah, like, that's crazy. Especially because he ran as a libertarian. He didn't it, even run exactly. as a Democrat or a Republican. And so he like, ran with three people. So again, like, the more people, the more your your well, percentage is going to go down. Do his campaign. Can you do it? My name is Joe Exotic. I am uh, gay as a $3 bill. I'm broke as shit. Some bitch down in Florida is trying to sue me, and I'm running for president. And he used that as his promo. Who, Josh, what are you doing? I probably would have voted for that. Just because I would have been Josh, like, Josh was telling him, Joe, I don't think this is the image Josh, we want to put. And Joe was, like, Joe was like, do you want to fucking work here? He's like, Josh, you slap my face on the front of some condoms, and you pass them out to everyone Oh, now. yeah, the condoms. And get, pass out some sex gel with it, too. Yep. <laughs> Um, so in episode six, we find out Joe is being investigated by the feds for you misappropriation the, the of funds great name of during the this campaign. The noble thing to do, which is where creepy Chucky doll guy <laughs> is like, I thought about it and um, I thought it was the noble thing to do. I'm like, <laughs> dude, you just didn't want to fucking go to jail. There was nothing yeah. noble about it. Mm-hmm. Also, look at this. The, the sun is coming out a little, everyone. And here in Rhode Island, it's been raining for like, I don't know. What do you think? A week straight? It's been wonderful. <laughs> it's been awful. It's adding to my um, The more depressing the environment, depression. I'm like, this is the great. The depression lives. Um, it seems the government was looking into a lot of exotic animal forms, most likely due to pressure from Carol Baskin and her followers. Everyone begins to feel the pressure of the investigation and people start pointing the finger at Joe, who's the easiest and most obvious target. We meet a fellow Joe called Chucky, known legally as James Garretson, who owns a tiger liquidation business. Oh, I didn't know that's what he did. That's what that business is. That weird business that he's sitting in, it's called tiger liquidation business. 
No shit, he decided to do the normal thing. Right? Yeah. He's like, let me get out of this. Uh, some of the other moments that went down as things escalated were as follows. Joe and Jeff have a large fight after Jeff confronts Joe for embezzlement, probably trying to gain evidence for the feds to cover his, his Jeff's, own ass. Yeah. So, um, you know, remember that fight where it's just conveniently um, recorded and Jeff's like, and you forged my name like 49 times and you stole $336,000 and it's very specific stuff that you wouldn't have in a or- normal argument. Mm-hmm. So Also, Jeff Lowe acts like he tries to paint this picture that he went to Las Vegas to try to sell um, cubs and do the bus thing and he didn't know. Like, dude. Don't fucking I don't fuck Las Vegas isn't another fucking it's not China like you could you can very easily still know what people are doing with your money in Oklahoma like right. as soon as he went to Las Vegas he never checked his bank account he never like checked in with what was going on with his money like don't that's if you did that you were a fucking idiot I yep. mean you knew he was running for pre- presidential office uh, <laughs> you didn't think to check in about where he was getting that money like. Mm-hmm. That yeah. I thought that part was so like staged from him, like that he clearly filmed that part on purpose. Yeah, so, like, it was all staged. Yeah. Well, I think that he again he thought he. It's not that Joe was a patsy, but he wasn't a, quite as much of a patsy because Joe was too dumb to be a complete patsy. Not I don't want to say too dumb, but like he was just too ornery to be a complete patsy. Wait, what's a patsy? Uh, someone that you can just use. So Jeff Bo, uh, I think thought he could use Joe, mm-hmm. and then realized he couldn't mm-hmm. as much. So uh, Joe, so then Joe sells as many animals as he can, and he and Dylan flee. And this is around the time that the plot to assassinate Carol Baskin comes into play. And Joe supposedly tries to hire Alan, creepy Alan, for who 3, is 000. Jeff's like best friend. Yeah, exactly. And, and who Joe vehemently hates the entire yeah. time. True. Can't so stand I don't know Alan. why he then decides to hire him as a hitman. Also, he's an awful hitman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and also there's, they show, I don't know if you have this in here, but they show footage of like the recorded calls and they're like, yeah, make sure you say this cause we're trying to get Joe in trouble and blah, blah, blah. So like the whole thing's a setup. You can tell. Well, it is a setup and they know that it's a setup. Um, they know it's a setup. Um, but it like, it's just Joe, um, what you call it? Jeff Lowe trying to cover his ass mm-hmm. and he's trying to save his friend, Alan, who Alan probably never had any intention of killing Carol Baskin. He probably was just going to take the money and leave. Right. You know? And he even goes and he just goes to like strip clubs and parties and does drugs <laughs> exactly. while he's gone. Exactly. So, so, yeah. So Gerritsen decides that turning on Joe is the noble thing to do and partners with the feds to catch Joe trying to hire a hitman. In truth, Gerritsen was probably trying to get out of legal trouble. He said the feeds had him on an illegal lemur. So, there was probably more. Oh, Who there knows? was definitely a long <laughs> list of things. This guy was as crooked as anybody else. <laughs> they were all crooked. So, go ahead. Oh. Um, Alan claims he traveled to Florida to kill Carol, but then chickens out. The feds get hidden re- records of Joe planning how Carol should die. Joe pretends he and Dylan are in Belize by posting fake photos of them Which online. Which that's great because Joe, the yes. water is clearly murky and clearly know, like, like on the, the shores of the United States. Exactly. Joe is arrested in a parking lot and taken to jail and his infamous mugshot is taken. Pause. Wait, I have one more thing to say. Um, oh. What was my thing I was going to say? No, it was really good. No, no, no. Well, why didn't you stop and say it while you were reading it? Shh, quiet. I like that they um, edited Trump's face on this picture, too. Oh, I love that. (laughs) I know. 
I just love the whole thing where he's like Dylan standing in the water and he's like hashtag believe. Right. That, like that was going to be enough to throw the fence <laughs> off. But they're never going to figure out this this plan, Dylan. They'll never get us now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember what I was going to say, but... Um, uh, and poor Dylan. He's yeah. like 19, maybe 20 at this point, And he's like, this guy probably knows what he's doing. He's got money. He's older. Like, I'll just trust him and go with whatever. Like every one of his other husbands besides mm-hmm. Brian, every other guy that Joe dated was a young kid that he could use and he could manipulate. And, you know, Dylan needs to wake the fuck up and get out of that. You know? Yeah. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I was going to say that also while the feds are trying to take down Joe a little. I mean, I have mixed feelings because Joe deserves to be in prison because um, he owns 227 tigers and couldn't take care of them. Like, I'm sorry, like they're, it, at the bottom line, like those animals are deserve so much be in prison better. for so many. There's reasons. so many reasons. I know. Exactly. But also so do all those other people. And that's that gets me so annoyed is mm-hmm. I'm like. Fucking the hitman can't even be in jail. Like right. he was a he was gonna be a fucking hitman. Doesn't that get you jail time? Well, that's the thing. They all turned on Joe I because know. they were like, if we all turn on him, we can all get plea deals mm-hmm. or we can all get immunity. Yeah. And then, well, yeah. you, they even say in the recordings, they're like, remember, this is to get Joe in trouble. If you don't do this, mm-hmm. you're gonna be in trouble too. Yeah. Just, so like, yeah. it's it just, all manipulation and mm-hmm. bullshit. What pisses pisses me off is this bullshit on the Fed's part because they are so fucking lazy. They took the easiest person. Right. Like, Joe Exotic was the easiest person. Person that they could take down try to take down Doc Antle that's going to be a fucking mm-hmm. kind of nightmare even mm-hmm. Jeff Lowe was smart enough to evade them but they went for the easiest person and I don't know if that was just a start and then they're going to keep going well I think I saw somewhere that there was a lot of stuff I heard that there might even be like a part two to this okay. because there's so much shit going on still well I hope there I hope is there because is. I think it's bullshit if Joe like I think Joe deserves to be in prison too I just don't think he's the only one who deserves to be in prison mm-hmm. you know and I, one thing I wish with the whole documentary is at the end they do this like five minute clip about how tigers belong in the wild and there's more tigers in captivity than there are in the wild and stuff. But I wish they had just simply put like a link or a place that you could donate to like actually do some good. Big Cats Rescue. No, don't say that. No, that's what I mean. They never, just like at the end of every TV show that talks about suicide, they put the link for yeah. suicide prevention. Like you... That's one thing that really irked me is like you have this whole show and hopefully people can see the injust that's happening to these exotic animals and all the other unjust things. But like you couldn't have also I think I'm close enough. Mm-hmm. No, no. See, that's, I, I, you're acting like I'm a hog. But you're pushing. I cannot. There's a thing here. <laughs> um, I just feel like I'm talking so close to your face. I feel bad. I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> So I just wish that the documentary, I mean, they went through all these links to like show all of this subculture and injustice, but then they just missed the mark. Yeah. But if you would put a simple link of like to help rehabilitate tigers, please donate to this link. You could have raised how much more money, right? you know, because people would have clicked on it. They would have just watched that whole thing and been hopefully just as disgusted as, you know, most of us yeah. were. So mm-hmm. anyway. My so uh, skip the last point and just go to episode seven because it wraps into it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So our, uh, the last episode is episode seven, which is titled Dethroned. In the final episode of the docuseries, we watched the feds build a case against Joe and eventually sentence him to 79 years in prison. Several of Joe's former employees are brought in to testify, and we see where the rest of the characters in, the state, in this strange tale end up. Um, and I want to say that it's kind of fucked up because every single person is saying that they're 
saying this stuff so they don't get in trouble. Like nobody's yeah. saying like, oh, I'm, I'm testifying because I believe this is wrong. They're all like, well, I'm testifying so I don't get in trouble. Exactly, um, yeah. So here are the conclusions to the story that is Tiger King. Jeff brings Tim Stark down from Indiana to help him with their new zoo. Surprisingly, <laughs> if anybody's shocked, Jeff leaves all the work to Tim and Tim leaves. Right. Tim's so mad at the end. He doesn't get enough of a role. I want to see. We're going to talk at the very end who should play who in the mm-hmm. eventual movie. But um, Tim Stark, I feel like, is a good character in himself. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Oh, yeah. With him sharing that fucking sandwich with his little monkey on his oh, back. Oh, my God. That was, that was, what do you mean, you? That was cute. Why? I would I share my food with my cat sometimes. I'm like, come on, a little bite. And then you eat after you yes. they ate? Paul, don't do that. <laughs> I would love to have a monkey like that. That that was my plan in Costa Rica until fucking COVID nineteen canceled that. I was gonna have a lot of fun with the monkeys. We were gonna share food. We were gonna share some marijuana. And Maybe we were you could gonna... find Don if you go do eventually get down to Costa Rica. Just go look well, up for it. Actually, David's aunt lives in Costa Rica, and I wanted to message her a picture and be like, "Have you ever seen this man?" <laughs> they definitely haven't tried that before. Would you, David's aunt's gonna find him. You never know. Her boyfriend years. is native to the island. He's lived there his whole life, and he's a tour guide. There we go. You never know. There we go. Right. Um, oh, Chucky. <laughs> so James, Chucky, is upset Jeff didn't partner him with the zoo. Everybody wants to be the biggest, but nobody focuses on being the nicest. That's James Garrettson's quote for the thing. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Mr. Noble thing to do. I mean, I don't know. Um, Dylan is still hanging on to a relationship with Joe, and I found him online. He's going to, like, all these raves and stuff now. Mm-hmm. There's just videos of him, like, dancing all and right. living his best life. There you go, Dylan. So I'm sure he's, like... Doing his own thing, but who knows? Josh Dial takes off and has been in therapy for quite a while while describing the events as the most dramatic of his life. I mean... Of course, because he witnessed somebody... Jesus Christ. I mean... After all the abuse that he went through, the final thing was watching Travis die. Oh, let me me do this one. Yes, go ahead. This one. Uh, Eric, the zookeeper... Cowie was his name. Eric Cowie, the zookeeper with the long hair who seems to be passing out from alcohol and drugs in his final interview, is surprisingly still alive. Have you ever walked a lion? Ever walked a tiger? Motherfucker, man. Yeah. Is that the one that was in the bathtub? That, no, we're no, not. No, that's the hitman. How is the guy that lights the cigarette while, oh, yeah. while pouring the gasoline into the different containers? At the end, he's so fucking out oh of it. And he's just like put, looking at pictures of tigers. And mm-hmm. that's what, you ever walked a lion? Walked a tiger, motherfucker. And he just passes out on the bed. And I assume they just let themselves out of the apartment and lock the door behind him. I know, right? <laughs> Um, um, so the, um, James Garretson is his, oh no, wait, wait, John Finley, the, uh, husband uh, testified against Joe and has been deeply wounded by the whole experience. Today he is engaged to a woman and he co-parents his daughter. He has a new set of teeth and has covered, fully covered all of his tattoos, um, that have Joe on it. Um, I feel bad, so bad for John because John through the whole thing, even in his interviews after he just is such a. A humble guy who just like was just doing the best that he could in his situation and now he's out of it and he just wants to be done with it like yeah he just wants to move on mm-hmm. um james garrettson chucky is his own hero and rides away on a wave runner that was like my favorite scene <laughs> <I> was... 
<laughs> it's the most Indiana scene. Lake Michigan right there. Yeah. Just riding away on your wave runner. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Alan. Oh, no. go ahead, Paul. Alan Glover, the hitman, doesn't so much as end up with probation. Which, doesn't even so much, yeah. Yeah, which is bullshit. Like, yeah. you were literally going to go murder this person, supposedly, with all this money, and, like, you just, there's nothing. And the final interview with him ends with him inexplicably taking a bath while the camera rolls. I, While the cameras roll. I Why was he taking a bath? Why <laughs> were they... Knows. They're like, okay, so for this last scene, we just think it'd be really great if you would just climbed in your bathtub. No, I don't think so. I think the docu... They were trying to get a final interview, and he starts taking his clothes and filling in their bathroom like... Uh, Alan, maybe we could just finish this up real quick. He's like, no, I'm taking a fucking bath. You want the, you want the interview? You can watch me. And I, they're like, that's probably what uh, happened. Okay. <laughs> and it, I told Samantha, I was so like desensitized at that point that it was a full minute of watching him in the bathtub before I was like, wait the fuck, is this guy in the bathtub? <laughs> yeah, that's how I was too, yeah. because I was watching the scene and I didn't think anything of it. And then I did the same thing. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Um, Jeff Lowe and his wife had their baby in Yes, the Nanny, a young, attractive woman, has stayed on. That makes, that's disgusting. It is. Um, they continue to run the zoo, and also run the zoo should be in quotations. Because, <laughs> run, quote, yeah, quote, exactly. quote. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, he's, like I said, he's definitely trying to be his own Doc Antle. That's how he fancies himself. Right. But, yeah. Doc Antle, oh, I love this. Doc <laughs> Antle has his sanctuary raided and says it's all part of a different investigation that doesn't involve him. They- he says that it involves these three lions that are on his property, but they want to know where the lions came from originally, so they have to investigate the lions on his property. Dude. They raided you. They yeah. raided you. <laughs> they could have just asked you where you, like, right. what the fuck you talking about? They're just wondering where they came from. That's not how it works. <laughs> so John Rinky was never called to testify and still adamantly defends Joe. Which is wh- why he wasn't called to testify. <laughs> but that is kind of surprising, though, because he was there the entire time. Yeah. Regardless of how mm-hmm. he would present, like, I'm surprised the defense didn't call him. Like, nobody called him. That's, mm. That is kind of bizarre. It is, it is very bizarre that the defense didn't at least yeah. use him as a yeah. witness. Um, Rick Kirk, Kirkham, and I watched an interview with him, and it, it's it, like he deeply regrets ever working for Joe and for justifying the abuse that he saw. He expresses immense remorse for everything. He even said, he's like, he's like I deserved it. It's karma because I stayed too mm-hmm. long, and I thought I just kept my mm-hmm. mouth shut because I wanted this to be my retirement. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there is a God, and the God came back, and he judged me for that. Like he's, a very, he's very sad about what happened. Um, Carol Baskin testified in Joe's trial. The case around her husband's mysterious disappearance has been reopened. Yes, yeah, so which we knew was going to happen. I mean, yeah. they're getting, I think, like six plus for, uh, tips a day. Really? Wow. The wow. yeah. So I think something's going to come of it. Who knows? Um, wow. And ooh, Joe Exotic has sued the state of Oklahoma for ninety-four million dollars in every person involved in his indictment. He is appealing his sentence. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So there's our characters. Do you want to finish with the quote or do you want me to the thing? I'll read it. Well, in this series, recap with this quote from lead director and creator Eric Good. I have to say, Joe was unique. We all know that. But blaming your sexuality or your past on your current acts is really unfair. Sure, he's gay, but just think about how many other gay men are in Oklahoma and every other state in the country. To say that it makes it justified is really unfair. Frankly, I think that Joe was just an absolute egomaniac and narcissist who inflicted a terrible amount of pain on people and the animals. And that's what matters. To blame your sexuality or your relationship with your family is not an excuse. So I have to say, for people who are looking at the series saying Joe is an anti-hero or Joe should be released from prison, Joe did real wrong. I'm not one who thinks that people should be locked up and thrown away the key. 
Joe should pay for those crimes, and I think he should be reformed. And I don't think that the justice system is a punitive system rather than a reformative system, but I think he needs to do his time and really think about this. Yeah. So this is from the man that followed him for five years. And, you know, it's just saying, yeah, because a lot of things like Joe repeatedly, again, all stuff that was cut out would re- would blame stuff on his sexuality and his childhood. And he had a horribly abusive childhood from the age of five. He was sexually abused. And but it doesn't you don't I get mean, to be an asshole. You know, he talks at the beginning about how his you know dad said, don't even come to my funeral and shake my mm-hmm. hand on it or whatever. But then a few episodes in, his parents are also being um, sued for millions of dollars because Joe clearly has been taking all their money and putting exactly. their name on everything. So if, I mean, if it was that bad when you came out to your parents, clearly you've had some kind of reconciliation. reconciliation. Right. So like, it's just, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that there's a lot of excuses that he found. Um, yeah, he always found a reason to justify. He like, yes, he had a traumatic life, but he always found a reason. So were all the people that worked for him. They all had traumatic lives as well, and they weren't going around being assholes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So we're going to end quickly with our ideas of who we think should be the actors in the eventual, I said biopic, but the eventual movie that's going to come to Hollywood. Um, I put some um, suggestions there, but who think who do you think should play Joe Exotic? I mean, Dax Shepard. Da- Dax Shepard. I don't know any actors or actresses, so I'm looking at this list and I don't know a single one Paul's of these people. Paul's going to be oh useless in all of this. I, I think that um, Danny McBride would be the best Joe Exotic, but I'd take Dax Shepard. I would. Um, Carol Baskin. Uh, Kate McKinnon has already been slated to play Carol Baskin. What about Adele? Oh, no, she's... She's too thin now. Singer. Adele would still, if like Adele prior to her weight loss, would make a great Carol Baskin. Yeah, Um, but Lisa Kudrow would also be. Lisa Kudrow would be an amazing Carol. Also, I heard Allison Janney. She would make a Carol. Mm. Great. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone said Ray Romano for Howard Baskin, which I thought was really good. Mm. Um, Um, I don't know who that is. You can go to the next. Jeff Loeb, David Morse. He always plays a bad guy. He um. He was a long time. I think I have the right person. Was the father in Footloose, and now he plays a bad guy. I could have the wrong person. They look a lot alike. Or Woody Allen, who I also think would make a great Tim Stark. You, you're so useless, Paul. What about a singer? Any uh, nope. suggestions for any of this? Nope. Oh God. Um, there's been suggestions for Doc Antle, everything from Steve Martin and Jim Gaffigan to Ron Perlman and Jack Black. Um, then for James Gerritsen, I think Gal- Zach Galifianakis I mean, would make. I mean, yeah, the, hands down. Hands down. The only yeah. person that should play James Gerritsen. <laughs> and I want to see him on that Wave Runner. Um, Alan the Assassin. I think Creed from The Office would be great, Alan. I don't know his name. You didn't look up his name? <laughs> I didn't. I, I was <laughs> finishing this up. And then there's someone said Michael Rooker, who's uh, from The Walking Dead. Um, Channing Tatum for Jen Finley, which if you see Channing Tatum with his hair buzz mm-hmm. and then next to Jim Finley, like John, 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 not Jim. Yeah, sorry. John Finley. And then finally, Dylan Passage, Reed Ewing, which is Dylan from Modern Family. And that's that's a perfect fit. That, that's, yeah, that's, that's a, a that's a Dylan fit, Passage. Yeah. So uh-huh. we'd love to hear from you who you think should be playing. Maybe tell Paul to watch some TV or something. I don't know. I watch things, but I don't know. <laughs> I never have learned actors or actresses because... For me, watching a show or a movie, I want to be fully in the fantasy. And I feel like if I learn these people and learn their nuances, it's going to like take away from that fantasy. Okay, but if so, if you were going to cast one role of Carol Baskin, which drag queen would you use? If we were doing the drag reenactment of oh, Joe Exotic. For Carol Baskin, Ginger Minj. 
Okay. Ginger Minj, you heard it here. So whenever we do the, the drag musical of Joe of Tiger King. Anyways, we've gone too long. We hope this is helping you in quarantine. We hope you've, you've watched Tiger King. As you can tell, we're all losing our minds. <laughs> Clearly. Um, so any last things? Honey, do you want to say anything you want to sign off to the audience? Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Queer Story supported by the patrons of Your Queer Story. Thank you so much, patrons. And I would like you to keep listening, keep supporting the podcast, um, look at some great merch we have going. Um, Supporting small online businesses is a great thing to do um, in this crazy world. And stay safe. Don't get a lobotomy and all of the other things that they oddly say at the end of this podcast. People love it, okay? Yeah. Are we doing it? Yep. Stay queer. Don't get lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers. Oh, succulent sapphires. Resist the oppressors, our proud homocrats. Have yourself a, a sodomy circus or a sodomy sanctuary. Um, I don't know. What's the difference? Okay. I don't know. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.